Ready? Okay. If you're looking for a podcast, then you're in the right place. If you're looking for a podcast, we'll try and make our case. D-R-I-N-K, Lamar and Mackenzie are here to say, W-A-T-C-H, all other podcasts can suck our dicks. <laughs> oh my God. Go, we drink and we watch things. Yay. <laughs> Thoughts? Uh, well, wow. I think my initial reaction is wow. I was, uh, I was alarmed. I was alarmed mm-hmm. when it started. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. It took me a second to adjust. Like any uh, good cheer. Yeah. Like any good cheer. But once we got into it, you know, I was like, wow, I'm a fan. Uh, I think the last line might need some workshopping, you Speaking. know. Doesn't uh, quite yeah. rhyme. It doesn't quite rhyme. It doesn't quite rhyme. But other than that, man, I'm a fan. We're going to have to, we're going to have to put it to, we're going to have to put it to the fans on the Insta and, and see oh, what boy. they think. In yeah. video form, by the way, because <laughs> I just need them to see it (laughs) welcome back to we drink and we watch things i'm mckenzie i'm lamar and today we are talking bring it on as determined by a fan poll so Thank you guys for yeah. voting and telling us what to do this week. We didn't have to use our brains. I think that. Yeah. And it was, it was a, it was a fun competition too. It was interesting it to was. see, you know, sort of the, the loyalties amongst different films and that, that final I, I, Wolf of Wall Street jumped out to a big lead at first and then bring it on just steamrolled from there. So I know. And you guys were passionate about it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of y'all were up in the DMS with commentary, complaints, <laughs> thoughts. I, it was incredible, but also I was like, damn, we got some strong feelings about these selections. So first of all, kudos on all mm-hmm. the suggestions because we definitely got some strong opinions. And yeah, I actually thought Wolf of Wall Street was going to win, to be honest, which I was kind of looking mm-hmm. forward to because I haven't seen that in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't seen this in even more of a hot minute. So I think it worked out great. So yeah. I think we're and I, we got some other good suggestions too. There were some other films. I know Dream Scenario got mentioned. We got to wait for that one to be streaming somewhere for free because I don't I don't like paying twenty dollars to stream new releases. Maybe um, that's then... one that we watch live because then I could justify paying for it if okay. we're both watching it. You know what I mean? I'm not paying twenty dollars to watch it by myself, but yeah, you know we shall. This see. is true. Mackenzie and I had talked about prior to jumping on today that we think at some point in the next couple months we might experiment with like a live watch through sort of a reaction where you guys can throw on the same movie we're watching we'll all hit play at the same time and we'll do a little bit of non-director's commentary and we will react so be prepared (laughs) for that i maybe maybe it shouldn't be your first watch because you may actually want to watch it but anyway yeah that's an option so i think you know yeah we are gonna wait a little bit on that one but we have a few more of your suggestions coming up for sure so super excited to share Mm -hmm. those with y'all but in the meantime this was kind of a tough one to come up with a drink for lamar and i were talking about this offline and we were like what are we gonna make anyway i think we finally came to to some options what did what did you decide on lamar yeah, it was a tough one because I obviously wanted it to be cheerleader themed in some capacity. I thought a sweet, high energy drink would be good. And everything that I Googled with cheerleader in the name, just I did not have the ingredients for it. So I had to sort of improvise. And what I did was I, I took uh, a bee's knees recipe using Empress Gin, which is sort of a florally flavor to it. Mm-hmm. So I took a standard bee's knees and then I added some cranberry raspberry sparkling water to it to give it a little bit of a fizz. 
And I was looking for a name for it. All the good cheerleader names are taken. And so I ran it by Janelle, genius as she is. And she was like, why don't you call it Spirit Fingers? So we're going to call this drink Oh, my God. Man, we love a Janelle pod contribution Mm -hmm. because she just brings it home every time. I love that. Well, we went down a similar pathway as far as coming up with a cheerleader-based cocktail, obviously. Uh, I have palm juice, which is – it's literally called palm juice, but it's pomegranate juice in my house, which became the basis for my cocktail, which is essentially like a French 77, which is Mm -hmm. like a French 75 but with vodka instead of gin because I don't like gin. And so we got a little bubbly in there. We got a little vodka in there. We got a little pomegranate juice. Stir it up and make this delicious pom pom. And pom pom. I like that our colors came out very similar too. It's like a lighter pink and a very brighter pink. So we were on the same wavelength today too, because I was (laughs) asking you for suggestions, and then I was like, "Oh my god, same thought process." So we did great today, I think. So cheers to that. Well, cheers to that. With that said, we're gonna get in to some bring it on talk. Honestly, this is, I assume everybody here knows, 100% spoilers because, first of all, this movie's been out for 24 years. Ouch. Let that Ouch. blow your mind for a second. I'm <sighs> sitting here thinking, oh yeah, it's you know 15 years old or so. It's almost a quarter of a century old. And just yeah. fun fact, I was, look, I was like, well, what would that be like if you were watching this year 2000? And it actually turns out that in movie years, 24 years isn't that long because if you were the year 2000, they would be the equivalent of watching watching Jaws, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it, it doesn't feel like that old, but it, it is doesn't. 24 years. Yeah, It doesn't. And yeah, it was alarming. It, it hit a little in the gut once mm-hmm. I realized, you know, I looked it up for my notes and I was like, yikes, that hurts. So point is, you should have seen this by now. And if you haven't, you can fuck off. I don't know. We're going to spoil <laughs> the shit out of it. And I don't think we need a summary. Lamar, you tell me. Like, I can read the whatever summary, but, like, I don't think we need oh. it. Everybody knows what this is about, right? Cheerleader face-off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the quintessential, I, I think, cheerleader movie. I know others have been made. This spawned six sequels, and I pulled it up on IMDb. I did Ew. not realize that the seventh film was a horror movie called Bring It On, Cheer or Die, like a slasher (laughs) film. And it is an official part of the franchise. That came out uh, two years ago. And I laughed because when I searched Bring It On on IMDb, it brought up all seven movies, but there's also a TV series that I read as part of the the movie (laughs) series. And the title is Bring It On, Ghost. So I was like, oh, that one sounds fun, but that is not canon in the Bring It On franchise. Oh my God. Okay, I have so many thoughts there before we move on. One, I knew that there were sequels. I did not realize there were six. That is fucking bananas. Mm -hmm. Two, I did know about Cheer or Die, but I did not know that it was a horror movie. So that's kind of incredible and ridiculous at the same time. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. Wow. Okay, so you all know that this is the quintessential cheer movie it started it all to lamar's mm-hmm. point um but we've got this new cheer captain trying to lead her squad to glory at the national cheer championships and lots of hijinks ensue including multiple routines apparently copied routines inadvertently mm-hmm. a crazy choreographer finally actually doing the work which we'll get into and creating a routine and then going to the championship and seeing what happens so 
Yeah. Super fast. It's one of the, it was way ahead of its time with calling out cultural appropriation. I'll say that much. <laughs> We're yeah. going to steal all this shit. And I also wanted to point out that with Bring It On coming out in 2000, this is the movie that reminds us that there was a time where having a fat ass was a, considered a bad thing. I know. I totally thought that. I was like, they are roasting the shit out of her ass. And meanwhile, today <laughs> they would be like, ooh, you should mm -hmm. do some squats, actually. <laughs> like, she would have been the star of the movie today. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, we're we're going to learn throughout that a lot of this does not hold up anymore, for sure. So, um, I'm wondering how many of the folks that voted for this, and, and props to you, I, I did enjoy, it was the first half of this, I will say, I was cringing a fair amount and trying to remember why I enjoyed it so much as a 16-year-old oh boy. Oh my god, same. But the second half, it does pick up and it gets, so I, I, it was still an enjoyable watch if a little hard to get through, but I'm wondering of the people that voted for this, when was the last time you watched when? it? Because there's a lot of questionable stuff in here. You took the words out of my mouth. Exact same experience of like, when is the last time we watched this? Because I am ashamed uh, for <laughs> a lot of it. I was definitely struggling with, wow, like 24 years ago, me sucked because <laughs> I liked this. But no, it does get better, I would say. Mm -hmm. So before we get into all of, of that, the review stuff, we do want to remember to give you the basics, which is yeah. the director of this film is Peyton Reed, which fun fact, I'm sure Lamar knows this went on to direct the Ant-Man movies. Uh, all three. All three and The Mandalorian mm -hmm. and some new girl eps mm -hmm. and the breakup with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Anderson. So fuckers got range. We'll give him that. <laughs> uh, and I had no, yeah, I had no idea that he was, I mean, I knew Peyton Reed vaguely did the Ant-Man movies, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't connect the dots until I looked it up and, Ooh, all right. Yeah, so, does comedy, comedy timing very well with the directing yeah. and the editing there. Worth calling out, and I'm sure you were going to say this as well, did not write the film and has not right. written, to my knowledge, the Ant-Man films. That would be no. Jessica Bendinger, who didn't do a lot after this. Okay, but everything she did is very much in the same vein. It's literally <laughs> Stick It, also a gymnast cheer yeah. movie kind of thing. Aquamarine, and then Mermaid First movie. Daughter. So, yeah, she... She has a very specific type of, of movie and apparently does it very well because it all did very well. So she knows her target market, I suppose. Yeah, I think the last thing that she wrote was in 2006. So I, I don't know yeah. that the writing life in Hollywood must be pretty tough, I guess. I don't know what she's up to, but not not this. But speaking to Peyton Reed's humor, I have to share this fun fact before we forget. Did you know that one of his quote unquote alternate names, which I assume is on set mostly, is silencio por favor i didn't know that but i did know that the mime in this movie the mime character in the tryouts is or not in the try it's when they're doing the, the training montage right. the mime's name in the credits is silencio por favor i don't know if peyton reed played the mime or not or if that's just a, i don't that know i yeah. now i need to know but i don't know but yeah i did find out that that was his name and i was like what a director name to have by the way like quiet on set you know anyway it's, I can just it's interesting it. that you found one fun fact about silencio por favor and i found a totally unrelated one i know yeah. we're bringing it all together honestly yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah. great hey guys it's lamar the co-host of the episode that you're currently listening to i wanted to pop in here with a little addendum that it turns out we jumped on after the podcast and peyton reed did play the mime that's crazy we just gave you three fun facts about a minuscule character in a movie about cheerleading where else are you going to get this kind of effort from your hosts? 
Okay, back to the show. Okay, well, so we've got writer, director, all that jazz, but major cast and crew. We got some throwbacks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Kirsten Dunst, Eliza Dushku, Gabrielle Union, Jesse Bradford, Lindsay Sloan are kind of some of the bigger ones, but really mm-hmm. it's Kirsten Dunst and Eliza Dushku are, are the leads with an assist from Gabrielle Union, I'd say. Yeah, you got Kirsten and Gabrielle both actually cheered in high school. And so naturally, I don't know how much that figured into them getting cast in this movie. It probably helped a a little bit, maybe. But I thought it was a a fun fact that when they go to nationals and you hear the cheer squad outside of Missy and Torrance's window and Missy sort of yells out the window at them. The cheer being sung there is a song from the alma mater that Kirsten Dunst cheered at. So that was an actual reference to her school, which is cool. I read that too. And I will, when I said, hey, why did 16 year old Lamar like this movie so much? Eliza Dushku was like one of my first crushes. And we get the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference in this. Oh yeah, we do. Knock out these Buffies. And Eliza Dushku as Faith on Buffy had my heart at 16. So I made Skylar rewatch this with me and he said the exact same thing. He was like, I told him, I was like, I don't know why we liked this movie when we were younger. And he was like, <laughs> Eliza Dushku. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was like, she was hot. She was the one. So, you know, I, I support that. She's hot. And but she's also, it? You, she's Sorry. not as hot to you. No, not anymore. <laughs> Wait, did, what did you say? Is she not as hot to you anymore? Is that what I it thought is? you said, is she not a thought to you? And I was like, Mackenzie, women supporting <laughs> other women. Jesus. <laughs> I'm not that harsh. Jeez. I was going to point out the first half of this movie. She is going for the Guinness book of filthiest hair in film history. She, her hair is so greasy and I, it's like sort of I like a half dreadlock situation. No, okay. okay, I think it's gelled. Yeah. 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 I will say I vibe <laughs> with her so hard and how much she hates all of this and that she's like ready to cut a bitch at all times. I just, I love her as her, her character and she just comes in and wrecks shop, but yeah, she's kind of grunge. I mean, which is still kind of a thing that's happening around this time, but yeah, I don't get the impression that she's quote unquote dirty. This is like what hollywood thinks grunge is you know what i mean it's like a pretty grunge character so she's still pretty but she definitely gelled her hair into these nasty looking spirals and all that did you did she hold up for you in this film you were like she's still cute she's she's still still very very cute in this and i think she's probably one of my favorite parts of the film i do think there's a lot of good comedy to go around but her character can be a little, as you said, what Hollywood thinks this would act like. The amount of middle fingers in this movie, it's just like, I, was that edgy in the 2000s, throwing up a middle finger? I think just... it must have been. I was thinking that as well. I was like, there's a lot of flipping off happening, and it feels kind of anticlimactic, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did like how you said sort of what Hollywood thinks. There's so much conveyed in dorm room and, and bedroom posters in this film so oh Missy's my god got, i have that you know, note too the offspring and her brother has the cramps and rocket from the crypt and the boyfriend at college has matchbox 20 and sugar yep. race so, and, yep. and the blowfish so that there's a lot conveyed in like what would this character like if i were a teenager yeah oh yeah for sure and i mean cliff's room is like all punk and i have the note too about like teenage bedrooms in hollywood films are ridiculous like how <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous giant rooms that they have and i'm like i was in a shoebox and these kids have a million posters and guitars and amps mm-hmm. and all the things and whatever and so anyway it just kind of cracks me up but yeah you can you can glean a lot about the character by what's on the walls and i think also one of my overarching notes speaking of cute cast or whatever there are like almost no attractive men in this movie to me other than jesse bradford is like a handsome guy 
And I remember yeah. thinking he was handsome then or whatever. But like the pretty boy thing is very mm -hmm. much a vibe back hit back then. You can tell that was the thing what we that we were into was the pretty boy vibes. And with speaking of gel in the hair, just everyone <sighs> had that like spiked up, like gel Caked. the F out Backstreet Boys in sync look going on. Yeah, and I don't remember liking that. I mean, maybe I did. I might have purposeful amnesia about this, but I don't remember liking these pretty boy vibes. But that is yeah. that is what we get a lot of in this in this movie. So yeah. anyway, it's a rundown okay. on the cast, I think. But I do need to be straightforward and honest here because I know some of my friends from college are going to ding me on this because we're still, a, you know, we're a growing podcast. So we have a very loyal fan base right now. But I definitely had the pretty boy hair at, at multiple. I had the the colored streaks, the bleach blonde tips, and I definitely gelled up and did the, the duck butt spike in front. So I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying there's a lot of that in this film. Listen, am I supposed to be surprised or not at all? I would do oh. it still today if I could, but right. Well, here thing. I'll in, in the interest of solidarity, I'll share with you a couple of the ones on here that I had, which was if you see the little like bun pigtails mm -hmm. where it's like you have pigtails, but it's like up in a little bun thing. Yeah. I don't know why we thought that was so fucking cute, but we sure did. And I wore it a lot. So You should have rocked it for the podcast today. You know what? For the video I, portion. As I'm saying that, I'm realizing I should have. I should have shown <laughs> off my skills. I still remember how to do it. I did it a lot. Anyways, so yeah, solidarity. We both were nerds back then. What I thought was interesting with Jesse Bradford when you mentioned he's the main male lead in this. He's, he's quite adorable. And he's not just is he attractive, but he's got good comedic timing he's charming and i was mm -hmm. surprised he didn't do much after this either i was like he looks like a couple other actors so maybe i'm mixing him up but i went to his imdb and it's like the only other thing after this i remember him from was swim fan which was like an obscure i was gonna say that <laughs> swim fan's the only thing i remember him from and yeah it is obscure but i've seen it have you seen it yes i mean stalker. obviously yeah so you me and one other person are the only people on this planet who've seen that movie <laughs> and again ahead of its time this was before michael phelps so who would think that a swimmer could have a stalker in 2004 but there you go listen i was a competitive swimmer i might have had a stalker who knows but yeah swim fan uh was was a weird one if you're curious go check it out but yeah that's the only thing i remember him being from either you know who he reminds me of a little bit is like pen bagley he gives me like pen bagley vibes who, where do i know and, pen bagley from um did you watch you on netflix oh she, yeah, yeah 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 okay i didn't watch it but i know his face from the, the image right yeah. well she's an uber creep in that too i don't know why that's the theme anyway <laughs> but yeah so they give me similar vibes and i don't know maybe they only needed one of them in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i think that's a, a solid rundown on everybody in the cast and their respective careers after this of which there's not much other than mm -hmm. kirsten dunce and like gabrielle union i mean eliza yeah. dushku did do a little bit afterward but she hasn't really been in a lot of stuff for a while Kirsten Dunst has gone on to do a lot of stuff and has actually really shown her range quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Um, but in this, I don't love her. So let's kick it off with a bang. Torrance's dream is what opens up the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and my literal first note is Torrance has a fucked up subconscious because <laughs> even though this is a dream, her cheer is incredibly sassy and narcissistic and mm -hmm. and egotistical and all these like bratty horrible things and i was like oh mm -hmm. my god you're kind of in your brain you're kind of terrible even though yeah supposedly she's the nice one 
Yeah, I know it's a product of the script, but hearing her sort of bash all these cheerleaders st- or buy into some of the cheerleader stereotypes of like everyone wants to have sex with us, but we're not whores. Like, yeah. it's, I'm not not saying I agree with that logic at all, but it's interesting that in her subconscious, she's saying these things. Yeah, it's crazy to me. And she she really commits and then she comes out of it and you she's a lot nicer than you expect her to be. Mm-hmm, but yeah, I just mm-hmm. I remember watching that opening and being like, ew. But also, what a name, Torrance. Like, I know there's a city in California named Torrance, so I don't know if that's where they got this, but I don't think I've ever met a person. A Torrance. A Torrance in real life, so that was interesting. It's so weird that me. they named her Torrance when the mascot is the Toros. Like, it's very... Just, I know, it's like you... too many T's, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't. There's also a lot of double letters in all the characters' names. There's Torrance, there's Cliff, there's Missy. Gabrielle Union is Isis, I-S-I-S. There's a lot of, like, yeah. weird double letter stuff going on in this, and it's a little garbled. I don't know. Okay, Jessica, we have questions about names here. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> lot. It's weird. And also the name of the high school, Rancho Carne. Meat Ranch, ranch Meat. <laughs> meat Ranch. That is that is what this place is called. I don't I mean, are they a bunch of meat? I don't know. It kind of vibes, I guess. Maybe that is some like deep metaphor, but I'm gonna <laughs> say it's not. I'm gonna say the writer just didn't look up when just thought it sounded cool. So. Right. She's like, listen, this sounds hardcore. For the football team that never wins. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, so she's kind of our main character. And she kicks us off by becoming the new captain of this squad, formerly led by Big Red, who is awful in her own right. And really, all the cheerleaders are awful. There's very few redeeming qualities in this group of of people. Um, And she's so perky and annoying. Again, this is why I'm the Missy of this situation. I'm like, you are a lot. You are (laughs) intense. I'm wondering if the writer of this was a cheerleader at some point, and if so, if she considered herself more like the Torrance, or if she considered herself more like the rest of these cheerleaders, because obviously a lot of the people who loved this had some sort of cheer history, or they had done it before, and they probably relate to it in some capacity, and it's like, do they... Are they enjoying the fact that there was like a catty vibe amongst the cheerleaders or are they saying, oh, I hated this vibe, but that's what makes this funny? I don't know. I, I Fun fact, I was not a cheerleader. I hate cheerleading. I think it's really stupid, but I was oh, sorry. I just, I just Everybody just dropped of off. Pa- everybody hit pause. I know. And that's, I know. Yeah. They were like, fuck it. We're out. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see you Listen, next week. Lamar likes cheering, so that's all you need. That's- but no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge cheerleader person. I mean, I respect that some of them really are legit athletes i'll give them that for sure mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just not my vibe but i was in drill team which is alarmingly close to cheerleading and i didn't realize that when i joined because my prior schools it didn't have anything like that i thought it was the dance team and oh. you do dance but you are again alarmingly close to a cheerleader like they give you very short little cheers that you have to do and then you mm-hmm. do like kick line stuff and, and things like that anyway so i said to say i quit because i was like <laughs> this was not what I signed up for. So yeah, my guess is that this director was a cheerleader and yeah, probably, you know, felt like Torrance is the heroine and she's really, she's not bad. She's just a little perky. Yeah, I, I also wanted to point out that with the opening, it's the set. First of all, Kirsten Dunst, good for you being in your second episode of this podcast in like a month. It's also the second straight movie where she's been topless like off camera <laughs> it was that and she was also young in this i think she was 19 she or was 17 17 Ooh, 
that Yikes. adds a little bit of an ick factor to this. I know. Um, yeah. And if the, I, I wasn't going to mention this until later, but there's that one talking about things that don't hold up in this. When they get to nationals way later in the movie and the announcer says something like dancing girls, short skirts, it's right oh for me. Oh my and it God. Cuts to his, and it's like a dude in like his it's 50s and it's old like, ass man. Yes. Mm -hmm. That did not hold up for me either. I was yeah. like, cool. So we're like promoting statutory rape here. This guy's an ESPN announcer talking about high school mm -hmm. girls in their short skirts and things like that. Oh, God, it was so gross. But I mean, I think that's recurring throughout. And so, yeah. I mean, I think we should probably dig into the the crux of it, which is that she gets Missy to join the team through lots of hijinks, which are hilarious. That whole audition scene, I will say to this day, is still very funny, like those horrible auditions i love the guy auditioning for pippin fun fact my high school did pippin and i was like hey i know that guy but no they're they're such funny auditions and there's really good people as far as for other things you can tell it's like hey that guy should do a musical this this person should be in acting or whatever um yeah but i love the the reactions from all the <laughs> yeah, from all the cheerleaders yeah. and i'm sure that was a very fun day of filming yeah, it has to be. And it's created such a really good montage. And yeah, I wanted to call out that this movie had a $10 million budget and 40000 of that was spent on securing the rights to cherry pie for that one <laughs> stripperish dance scene of auditions. It seems like a gutsy. I know that they eventually play Mickey as well, but to spend yeah. 40k of your budget on a throwaway joke for like 30 seconds was interesting. Somebody felt strongly about that scene, clearly. <laughs> but to be fair, like it kind of lands. It yeah. does land pretty yeah. well. But man, I mean, it's a great song. I support it. Agreed. But I love the, you know, Missy entrance. She mm -hmm. slams open the door and they're immediately on site. They don't like her and they mm -hmm. don't want to add her. I mean, Torrance is open minded, but the rest of them are like, how do we get rid of this girl immediately? And of course, she shows that she's the most athletic of them all and ready to kick ass much to their chagrin for sure but torrance pulls rank on the cheerocracy of it all it's and your dictatorship now i know oh she's like it's it, not a democracy it's a cheerocracy it oh. was bad during this film because i couldn't remember what lines were from bring it on and which ones were parodied in not another teen movie i kept waiting for them to mm. say like all the other cheer puns yeah. and then also the like bring it on it's already been brought in line i was like oh they yeah. didn't say that in this that's in the parody movie which tells you something about this one i yeah and i love how many times they say bring it like but they never say, they bring, say bring it on, on. I think they maybe that's why she went on it. to write Stick It, because she was like, oh, I, this time I have to have it said in the movie. <laughs> and since we didn't do it last time, we'll change it this time. I suppose so. But I was, yeah, I was definitely like, nobody says on. Nobody says the on, <laughs> which I feel like would make sense to say, but nobody says it. They just said, bring it. And uh, yeah, when they later have that conversation, I'm like, I am not at all intimidated by you, Torrance, aka Kirsten Dunst. Um, but yeah, so she wins the spot, but she discovers that they are cheating. She doesn't know whether or not the whole squad knows about it. And she's just like, fuck this, I'm out. Which, again, feels like something I would do. I love this girl. She's like, <laughs> walks the fuck out of practice. She's like, you guys are all cheating. And then I love that they just hop in the car immediately and are gone for hours to go see the Clovers perform where we Damn. find out they're cheating off of this squad they're they have stolen all this squad's cheers and it's an inner city high school full of largely people of color mostly black people is all that we see on the squad mm -hmm. at the moment so yeah to your point that's where the the appropriation of it all begins um and they're taking the credit for the, this team's cheers 
can I just say one of the things I noticed in this was like we see Torrance's parents brief in like two scenes. We don't see any other parents really throughout this. Where are the parents? Where are like the professionals? Where is the cheer coach? Because Torrance takes over this team. I think there is a cheer coach in one scene, but I couldn't really remember it. And Torrance is immediately like, let's do the most dangerous stunts we've ever done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this is, you bring up great points, but I think I feel like you are, you are parroting what every single parent ever said <laughs> watching this movie when it came out. Because I certainly remember my mom being like, where are their parents? Like nobody, uh -huh. and this is, but I think this is like the hallmark of 90s and 2000s high school movies, right? Like as mm -hmm. far as these teenagers are concerned, their parents don't exist. And right. maybe that's an intentional lens from the director of like, you're so self-centered and narcissistic at that age that you have no awareness of anyone around you if you can avoid it right unless you need them for something as we see Torrance do here right where she has to talk to her parents for whatever reason but yeah yeah I don't think that they're present and I think it's part of why you know these kids have so much freedom you even hear that from <laughs> yeah. Missy's side Cliff and Missy are brother and sister and their parents are never home either they're clearly very wealthy and she yeah. says some line about like they're at a benefit. They'll be pouring themselves into bed at dawn. So, like, you can tell their parents are equally disconnected from them. So You tracked I, this movie so much better than I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I should have paid better attention. I apologize, guys. Well, you know me. I read into questions. everything. What can I say? Uh, but, yeah, I think that they just are not around, you know, and they're very okay. disconnected from one, one another, and they have a lot of freedom. They're wealthy, and they that probably comes with a lot of strings, too. They're probably doing lots of other things, or dad's a lawyer, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So... Anyway, I'm not surprised, but I do think, again, I think every parent ever watching this normal parent of your average person was like, where the fuck are the parents? <laughs> Valid question. Valid question. I think also we have very few other adult figures in general, but when they do come in, I think that they're there to help in some way or they're being tapped to help in some way. Like the Clovers, you know, mm -hmm. right to Paula Patton the talk show host to get her to sponsor their team. and uh, Oprah and Light. Oprah like yeah Oprah light and so it's so funny that whole scene is so funny and I love that they give her the little honorary <laughs> clover uniform and she's and they're like when I look good it. in this y'all <laughs> I like that the one the one cheerleader is laughing about it like it was definitely intentionally an extra small and that made me oh good. I know and I'm like that's both harsh and funny at the same time but honestly it probably would have been worse I feel like the worst move would to give her give her a uniform in her size would be in the, the worst exact move. size and have her hold it up in front of her crowd yeah you probably yeah. wouldn't get the scholarship in that case i was gonna say i don't <laughs> think that would be good either but anyway before we get kind of too far into the film I, I think also what you're seeing at the beginning is all these different squad characters and i just have to say all the fucking insults that they bandy about throughout like yeah. she puts the ass in massive she puts the itch and bitch <laughs> the lewd and diluted which also like really these one they're really bad insults mm -hmm. Two, they're so shallow and about appearance and all these things like this is what we say when this movie we say this movie does not hold up it's really really kind of gross to see these kids act this way in multiple ways too and it, it's like i i could understand putting one or two of those lines in here but it, they, i feel like the writer just decided i'm gonna put one of these every five minutes to fill some sort of quota and it's like not clever anymore by the second or third time it happens it's not especially because it's like again it's like quick succession on a lot of these insults and you're mm -hmm. like cool i'm officially over it it's really gross so and and coming to the insults that are really bad are the loser cough when cliff comes in to the classroom yeah like it's a very aughts thing 
I don't remember. I mean, I was like, was this ever cool? I feel like this wasn't cool. And even if it was, I mean, I do kind of vaguely remember people doing it, but they didn't do it like four times in a row and think it was still funny. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was just really bad. And I loved his response to it. It it was the more clever of the items for sure, Mm -hmm. but it gets him the attention of Torrance, which is kind of the beginning of that whole spiel between the two of them. And I love how shocked he is that she's talking to him. Like Mm -hmm. she's this hot cheerleader girl and, And I think she's cute or whatever, but like he's clearly very taken with her. But I love that she asks him, is that your band to his class class shirt? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, this girl. I can't. She literally only cheerleads like that's that's literally all that she does. Um, But he's he's a fun character because he brings in, I think, some of the little bit of the taste to this movie. He is into music. He shares music with her. And and he you see that again on the posters on the wall. You can like see who he's into. And he's just a little bit more interesting. And their last name is Pantone, I think is what he says. But it's like Pantone. It's like Italian. Isn't that a color? Um, and I literally was about to say that. I was like, as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, the color of the year. <laughs> like, <laughs> which, by the way, is Peach Fuzz this year, in case you were curious. Oh. Um but yeah, so that's what that made me think of. But I love I love Cliff's introduction there. He's already being teased for being very slightly different and not very different at all, really. But I, but I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge Torrance because I don't know how familiar 16 year old. I wasn't cool enough to be into good music by that point in my life. So I probably I probably knew The Clash was a band, but I couldn't name you any of their songs. So not going to judge too hard. But it is cool to know that actually every shirt that Cliff wears, all the band shirts in this came straight out of the director's closet. Uh, yep. Peyton Reed was apparently a big punk fan in the 70s and 80s. So every shirt that Cliff wears is actually from Peyton Reed's closet. He's also a DJ. Well, he was a DJ, yeah. uh, which I think is part of that. He was a DJ in college. And yeah, I think probably contributed to said t-shirt collection. And he supposedly plays drums as well. Okay. So it makes uh, sense why he would be directing this as a former DJ, because I got to say hearing all like the jock jam style music was incredible. I was such a big fan and excited about uh, that. So I'm sure he knew exactly how to time all these different things based on his DJ experience. Yeah, he did a really good job. I thought they worked in the music pretty well, especially for kind of some of the quote unquote basic stuff that you that you would expect from this kind of group. And they and they did a, yeah. a, a pretty good job. But um, but yeah, so they go into finding out that they they've cheated inadvertently. Big Red cheated mm-hmm. and stole all these cheers, and then she takes it to the squad, and the squad is like, "Hey, listen, we don't have time to learn a new routine." Which this kills me the whole time because I'm like, "You have the entire fucking year, seemingly. <laughs> School just started. What do you mean you can't come yeah. up with a new routine in time?" And they're mm-hmm. like, "We don't have time. We have to do the exact same routine forever." And I'm like, "You guys have a, a routine for a year? That's so boring." And um and they said they treat like games as practices and all of that and i'm like you have plenty of practice that you could be doing this but they basically recommit to the stolen routine Mm -hmm. until the clovers show up at the football game and basically live roast them with their own cheers and frankly do it a little better than them i think the kids call that putting them on blast putting that yes, yes yes the kids do say that they did put them on blast that is for sure and again it's like four against however many it was and they are mm-hmm. way better than them <laughs> and so um so i loved that but a couple things again that didn't hold up is the digit slip 
the guy, you know, like pretty boy cheerleader boy who's like mm-hmm. feeling up one of the other cheerleaders while oh, they're Oh, I thought I couldn't I didn't know what you I thought you meant like somebody gives somebody a piece of paper with a phone number on it, like a digit slip. He I did, says that... it, my digit slip oh, in the car. Okay. Yeah, he's real gross. So that doesn't hold up. There's a lot oh, yeah. of F word dropping anti gay F word. Not a great word. There's a lot if of I that. can uh, put it into terms that this movie lovers will understand. This movie puts the ick in homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, painfully accurate. Oh, yeah. you're you and Jessica would get along great. You were just ready with her <laughs> her insult vibes. But yeah, it is pretty it is pretty gross. They then decide out of desperation to hire a choreographer and i if nothing else is legendary about this film i think mr sparky palastri is uh yeah i wanted to shout this actor out so this is a guy named ian roberts and this was i think only his second motion picture that he was in the first one was a sort of an indie thing by louis ck way back in like 2000 or something or 1999 but this was his first major motion picture and he went on to he's still a huge character actor to this day people will recognize him from anchorman stepbrothers basically anything with will ferrell and i also remember him arrested development fans know him as the Mm. doctor who only speaks in very literal terms so it was i was like this he's my favorite part of the movie and I had to go on IMDb, and I'm like, it's that guy. And this was his first role. That's cool. I didn't know this was his first role. I mean, like yep. you said, other than this indie thing. So yeah. And he commits, man. He fucking commits. Yeah. And I was I turned to Skylar during this movie when you know when he's doing the spirit fingers, which of course mm-hmm. also legendary part of this movie. It just cracks me up because you can hear him whip his spirit fingers <laughs> out. Like he literally is like, these aren't spirit fingers. And then he whips his hands again and he's like, these are spirit fingers. <laughs> it's crazy how hardcore he is. You can hear them flip and they're just they also, by the way, don't look that different to me. So <laughs> I just remember being like, I would suck on this squad so bad. <laughs> there's all there's some fun stuff with sound in this. Again, anytime we seem to watch something from the 90s or aught, I guess 80s through the aughts, just the sound, the stuff that we believed as far as what sound things would make when you look at fight scenes from the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. But in this, there's that with the whipping the hands out, which I'm sure is intentional for comedy. But there's the scene where Kirsten Dunst hits her brother with like a little notebook and it makes the loudest smacking yeah. sound. And I'm like, that's not the sound this book would make at all. But it's, you know, 2000. So let but it it's fly. a strong sound effect. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Sparky flicks Missy on the nose. And, and it does the doing doing and it's so one it's so loud two it is pretty funny and three i just love that they like have to hold her back from attacking him and i was like girl same beat his ass but yeah i thought that was hilarious but yeah there's a lot of a lot of of hearing those things so that was always that was a funny one to me another one that was funny to me is uh there's a lot of crazy jumps and like really impressive Mm -hmm. athleticism a lot of times it's you know, you can tell they they have stunt people doing a lot of Missy stuff and things mm-hmm. like that. And, and of course, a lot of these people are teenagers and probably can't do some of these things anyway. So you see a lot of stunt doubles and whatnot. But what you don't see a stunt double for is Cliff's casual flip in the backyard on the little gymnast ring things. He comes out to talk to Torrance while she's on the swing and he just walks up and he's like trying to make her feel better. And he grabs them and he just flips over 
And but I was like sitting there. I was literally writing out like casual flip. And and Skylar turns to me and he was like, what a casual just flip that guy just did. And I was like, yeah, like what a flex. He just walks out I mean, and that's, flips. I mean, that's great. But that's depressing that the most impressive physical feat that you found in this film was not any of the cheerleaders, but the one male. No, it was flippy. because it was unexpected. It's because fair, he's not fair. a cheerleader. He's not, a, to our knowledge, a gymnast. Yeah. And he just walks out there and does this flip. And I was like, I didn't, damn. I didn't have this in my notes, but you've inspired me to say this. I think that one thing that does fly under the radar is how much athleticism and effort this probably took to make, especially in the last yeah. you know, 20 minutes of the film when they're at nationals and doing all these routines and all these this stunt work, like props to all the cheerleaders, dancers, stunt work in this film, because I think that does go a little underappreciated. I think that's probably why I liked this film, to be perfectly honest, because like mm -hmm. this was also in the era of there were a few other kind of dance type of movies that came mm -hmm. out at this time as well. Mm -hmm. And and the plot didn't always hold up as being great. Right. Like it wasn't yeah. really the point. You kind of watched it to eventually see the routines. And yeah. I, I do think these were some cool routines. I think even if you're not into cheerleading, you can watch this thing set to cool music and see some of the cool jumps and things that they do and be like, wow, that's yeah, it's impressive. I mean, I, I certainly would even at my most stupidly confident as a teenager would never have jumped on top of a, a cheer pyramid and been able to let people flip me like we are not trust falling this way i'm sorry hard no um so yeah i think they're they're definitely really impressive athletically speaking and from an actor standpoint too of course they didn't do it all but they still had to learn a lot of the routines and and do a lot of the of the actual performance so i, I think it's impressive in that way for sure yeah I agree with you. I think it's very impressive there. And I, I want to give this movie a, a lot of credit because I think that people probably heard us talking about how it hasn't aged well. The thing that hasn't aged well is the script. I think the plot right. is solid. And I think if you want to yeah. watch a movie about cheerleading, this is the one to watch. I think the things that haven't held up and some of the humor is probably what we're talking about. But I still think yeah. it's enjoyable to this day. Yeah, I think you could remake this now and it would land a lot better, you know, because mm -hmm. again, to your point, the core of the plot is still interesting. They've inadvertently been stealing this this program. They have to get creative and learn it. And that's mm -hmm. the best part of this movie, right? The best part of this movie is the yes. last three weeks before mm -hmm. Nationals yep. where they have learned that the Sparky Palastri routine is also being peddled up and down the California coast, as they say. So too many, you know, cheer squads <laughs> have this routine. <laughs> And they have to come up with a new routine right before nationals. Mm -hmm. And what kills me again is the timeline here of you didn't have a year to come up with a new routine, <laughs> but now you're going to come up with a new routine in three weeks. And not only that, you're going to, per the montage, study interpretive dance, modern dance, swing, mime. Like you're going to take a bunch of fucking classes. <laughs> we'll have enough time for this. Yeah. And then choreograph <laughs> this new routine. And of course, it yeah. comes out really well. But yeah, it's just kind of absurd to me that they didn't do this sooner. But yeah. they they, they do finally come to, hey, we have to come up with this new routine. And this is where you kind of see the revamp of Torrance. She's her like, leadership comes out, yeah. Yeah, like her her more confident leadership rather than just being kind of a facade. Like before she's mm -hmm. kind of trying to play it like, hey, I'm the leader. I've earned this, blah, blah, blah. But she's second guessing herself the whole time. Mm -hmm. And versus at that point, she's like, no, we need to just get down to business come up with a new routine and we need to defend our championship. And I like that she says that she wants to compete against the Clovers. Cause again, it is very easy to just say, well, we're going to go there and win then. 
you know, they're not going to compete. We'll go there and we're going to win no problem. And she says that cool line about like, I define being the best as beating the best, Mm -hmm. you know, competing against the best and beating them. And I think that's, that is such a cool lesson to come out of this because it would not have felt as good if they didn't beat this team with an original routine. So I thought that was a big moment for her, just like seeing her kind of come into her own. And I think that's mirrored in what the Clovers do when she comes and tries to kind of give them a charity bump to go to nationals. They reciprocate that by saying, look, we don't want your pity. We're going to earn our way there ourselves and we're still going to beat you. Um, So, yeah, getting getting into that. I think that by the time we get to nationals, that's my favorite part of the movie. The last 20 minutes is incredible. And the way that it plays out, I think, is so well done. It's it's cool to see that our protagonist doesn't end up winning, but we're yeah. still, we're left with this very happy ending of them being satisfied with second place. There's sort of this this bonding between the two leaders that's taken place over the last 15, 20 minutes. And that's cool to see. Yeah, I like that too. I also like that when she goes to give them the check, you know, that she rips it up. I think it's cool that she rips it up and it's very it's a good statement. But at the same time, I have some feedback there one what if paula doesn't give you the money like maybe rip up the check later just in case (laughs) uh (laughs) or fundraise or do something else as well i don't know just maybe like let's hold off on ripping up the check they would have had to add a scene of her like scotch taping the entire check back together (laughs) (laughs) oh i just thought that was so funny i was like i probably would have waited to rip it up but i get i get the gesture but also secondarily i just thought that scene is so funny and intense like overly intense mm-hmm. of their little like face off and I and they don't understand each other and they don't get along but then you see them like to your point you get to nationals they don't win they have this but they have this like bonding moment where they're talking to each other and giving each other advice to your point and she's like yeah. you know her squad is like what are you doing mm-hmm. and she's like we just understand each other and I out loud was like but you literally don't at all and you have not understood each other up to five minutes ago in right, this film. Right. Um, so I just thought that was so funny that all of a sudden they've just sort of had this unprompted detente, I think, a little bit. But it's both of their routines. We were actually like talking about the routines, Skylar and I, objectively are very good. I yeah. think the routines yeah. are really good. I struggle with who should have won, actually. I think it's really impressive that Rancho Carney did that in three weeks. Again, mm-hmm. like that's a crazy timeline to come up with that. Yeah. I also think this is a first example or at least an early example of like a mashup. You remember how like mashups weren't much of a thing back then, like as far as dance routines or music mashups were not as yeah. big of a thing yet. This is one of the earlier ones, I think, that happens and they mash up all these different musical numbers in their routine and they switch kind of the style with each song. And I thought that was pretty unique, especially again, back then, I don't think there was a lot of that kind of thing, even in Mm -hmm. dance movies, but also the Clovers is are incredibly athletic doing some super cool stunts and have a really good routine as well. So I thought it was a really good show. Yeah. The last few minutes, it's a really good show to just watch those routines and see them kick ass, both of them. Yeah, it's very high energy. It's thrilling. And I think what we've learned, you you can make a good movie about most anything, even something that, you know, whether it's a sport or a hobby, you know, I think about Eight Mile and I friggin really enjoy that movie. And it's a movie Mm -hmm. about freestyle rapping. And there's not I mean, there is conflict in it. But the fact that you can take, you know, the last 15 minutes of that is basically just two people on stage freestyling against each other. And same thing with this. The last 15 minutes is just dance routines. But I even as a 39 year old man, my eyes are glued to the screen because it is so you know, action packed and it's fun to watch and the, the choreography is right. really cool. Yeah. Highly enjoyed it. 
I think that's like, for me, as far as, you know, like a performance or, or dance type thing, there were other movies like that around this time as well. Like a center stage is like that. Again, it's not like the best writing, the best plot, but it's beautiful dancing, incredible numbers done at mm-hmm. the end. Step up is similar. Like you get to the, you get to the payoff at the end of the performance and you've kind of been working up to that the whole time. And I think it's really fun. So, yeah, I think it's good that they don't win. It's a good lesson. Yes. And I also don't think, you know, somebody said to me was like, do you think they won because of a diversity thing? Which, listen, is I understand why you ask that in the situation. But I also think it just comes down to like Rachel Carney has won this five times. Right. Like, I think there's there's a point at which the judges are probably looking purely at, yes, they were both great routines, but this this team has won this five times. Like, it's time for some mm-hmm. new blood that showed up and, mm-hmm. and Rex shop on their first showing in this competition. And I think that's really cool that they won. But I thought they were both really good routines. So. We'll have to contact the three actors that played the judges and find out wh- what do they think their what characters. Were the reasons? Yeah. I, yeah. What were the reasons for your character to choose this team? Because, <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. They cut to them both times. They're judging both squads. And I'm actually convinced it's the same cut. Because they're making <laughs> like just this, nodding and smiling. they're just they're making the same exact faces for both ones. So yeah, you got yeah. no idea which way this thing's gonna go. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and so it closes out on that. And then of course Cliff gets the girl, and and Torrance gets the guy. They finally have their moment, and you know she's dumped loser Aaron, and and mm-hmm. all is right with the world. So. Uh, I think it's a pretty wholesome ending. And I was thinking about this later. Like, it's a pretty wholesome movie overall. There's definitely stuff that doesn't hold up. But Mm -hmm. I think as far as being raunchy and controversial for the age or whatever, there wasn't as much as I expected, I think, maybe. But it was pretty. It was a pretty wholesome ending, and then they end it with the bloopers and the credits of the of Mickey, and which is just, great. Yeah. Which is, I think, maybe the best part of the movie, like mm-hmm. the hate Mickey's, you know, blooper reel. So, yeah, I thought it was a fun watch overall. It was a good time. Agreed. I think the comedy in it is, as I said, the first twenty to thirty minutes were a little rough because it's just that fast paced one liners that aren't really that great. I did yeah. like the line of what's the plural for a butt, but on one person. And again, talking about the year 2000, <laughs> why did people not like fat asses? Cause your boy puts the ass in podcast. I'm just saying like, <laughs> so I guess n- nowadays would we call two butts on one person, like a donk? I don't know what current slang is for it, but it- is it like a badonka donk? Badonka donk. Yeah. Okay. I think that's we, we can agree thing. on that. I think that works, you know. I, I don't know why people didn't like that either. I can I don't understand. I mean, none of these girls have like big asses either. They all have perfectly normal sized bodies. But that's why the first 20, 30 minutes do not hold up because they're just oh, like all the how shallow it is and all the insults yeah. and the like body shaming and all that crap. Like none of that's cool. Intake F word crap isn't cool. Like some of this, you know, homophobic content is not cool. But yeah, to your point, I think the core of the story is still entertaining. And and again, I think it could be remade now and be a little Mm -hmm. bit done even better from a writing standpoint, for sure. Yeah, and I will to that, I'll say that the the homophobia in this is not played 
from a uh, malicious standpoint because even at the yeah. end the main character who we're not told you know outright is gay it's sort of he says controversial but he meets a man who's he sort of is like oh okay so it it's in the writer's mind i think the the homophobia in this is a product of the time unfortunately i don't think it's intentional or malicious in any way yeah i just think it's unfortunately that casual homophobia of like yeah. this is an accepted level of homophobia which it shouldn't yeah. have been and it should shouldn't yeah. be but product of the time i understand that but yeah instead of that guy just saying i'm gay he's mm -hmm. like i'm controversial like let's just say you're gay it's fine you know that shouldn't mm -hmm. even have been weird to say so shouldn't but have it, been yeah it shouldn't have been but it, yeah it was and we're talking 24 years ago and it's in it, a lot has happened in that time like that's kind of bananas to think but it but it really has i don't think it was done maliciously to your point i think it was just again a product of that time and and has evolved thank goodness Agreed. I think there were a couple of lines in the movie that I laughed at where I'm like, I feel kind of bad for laughing at this, but it still yeah. was the line of dialogue got me. I thought that offensive as it was the line of cheerleaders are dancers who have gone blank. I knew offensive. you were about to say that because that is the exact line I'm thinking of because I yeah. also laughed and I was like, God damn it. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> but it is, it, it's also a nostalgic humor for me too. I remember mm -hmm. like if there's no other line from this movie that I remember, that's the line I remember. Yeah. And I, I feel like we obviously need to riff on that line, but it is hilarious. Like a hilarious thought. Like you're not actually dancers is really the core yeah. of that joke. It, and I think it's funny. It doesn't hurt that it comes from, as I said, probably my favorite part of the movie which is the the choreographer and he also says well why why does it matter how heavy she is and it's like because in cheerleading we throw people in the sky and fat people don't go as high that one got me <laughs> as well <laughs> i mean it's painfully accurate you know it's like hey yeah. she needs to not be you know bigger because we've got a tosser so anyway <laughs> yeah it's it's a little it's a little bit much in some of those moments but it definitely still some of the humor lands but with all that in mind what would you rate it now, uh, having rewatched it and had that experience again? I think rewatching it, you know, at the time, I probably would have given it a higher score. I think nowadays, again, the first 30 minutes is a little rough. It gets, it's one of those rare movies that really does get stronger the longer you watch it. And by the end, I think the end, the last 10 minutes are the best part, as I said before. So I don't know, trying to take the nostalgia goggles off. I would probably give it like a, a six, five and a half, six, just because it's enjoyable. It does have some laughs. As you said, the, the ending does end on a positive note. I think there's mm -hmm. a good lesson to take away from it. But I do think it's kind of a, it's a grind. Some parts of the movie and obviously some of the script doesn't really hold up. But I'd say like a six. It's it's not a bad movie, but it's not an incredible movie either in my eyes. You? Same, actually. I wrote it in my I wrote it in my notes so that I couldn't go back on it. I was like gut checking myself right after I mm -hmm. watched it. And I, I put in there exactly six out of ten. I was like, mm -hmm. this movie was like 90% nostalgia for me originally. And on the rewatch, um, some of that is definitely still there. I mean, parts of it that are funny again, even the lines that are shouldn't be funny, but were funny back in the day or whatever. I think it's just kind of an okay movie. It does take a while to get into and it is hard to grind through some of those things at the top that are that are hard to land again. And for those of you who are listening and are like really nostalgic about this movie as well, know that that rating for me would have been much higher going into Same. this rewatch. Same. You know, I would have thought that this was going to be a lot higher from what I remember it feeling like watching this movie. So 
I I encourage you to do a rewatch as well. I don't think it's bad. I think it's an enjoyable watch. But yeah, I would say a solid six as well, for sure. Yeah, there was one last line of the script that goes, I think, unnoticed. I watched this probably two to three times when it came out, when it was on like DVD or on TV, and I hadn't revisited. And this was the first time I heard this line. But they constantly talk about in this film how bad the football team is. And we hey, we just yeah. use the we use the games for practice because who gives a shit what we even do? The team's terrible. Uh, I wanted to call out that anybody who actually watches football knows how bad this team is because yep. the quarterback is throwing the worst fakes of all time. The, the running back already has the ball about 20 feet away from him. And the quarterback's still throwing fake passes. But there's a line where the stadium announcer near the end of the game you can barely hear him over the PA, but as everyone's leaving, he says, and just a reminder that our next defeat will be next Friday at seven yep. o'clock. <laughs> that I, I love that line. And I caught it too, <laughs> but largely because of subtitles, because I'm an old lady who can't hear. But I did read it and I was like, ah, that's hilarious. I'd never heard that before until this watch. So yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. All righty, guys. Well, again, thank you for the recommendation. It may have sounded like we roasted this one a little bit, but it was a good, mm -hmm. enjoyable experience to take another look at this one. So we really appreciate the recommendation. I think you will like the next one as well. So this yeah. is another fan recommendation that came through early on in the suggestions. So come back and hear us next week talk about A Knight's Tale. Woohoo! It's going to be I'm interesting, especially about. after we did Marie Antoinette and we sort of talked about that theme in the mid aughts, early aughts of incorporating modern music into yep. these older settings. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how those two might mirror or differ from each other. Yeah, I would say spoiler. I love the application of that in this movie. I mean, I said Same. that in Marie Antoinette, so it's not much of a spoiler, but I loved that as as an, a part of a night's tale. So I'm excited to give it a rewatch and talk about it again. It's one of my faves. So thank yeah. you again for the recommendation guys. And also we're going to run another poll in the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on the socials. If you're not already on there, we drink and we watch things on Instagram. That's where we do most of our stuff. And we want to find out what you guys want coming down the pipe in February. We want to do another theme month. So we want to get the gist of what you guys would like to hear about, maybe about potential Oscar winners, maybe some rom-coms, maybe some love stinks. We're going to do another tournament in the next couple of weeks to determine what February should look like. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to see your your comments. I hope it's as passionate and as exciting as this <laughs> round was. So look look for that here shortly. But for now, go have a drink and watch a thing. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.